1: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. This is a podcast where each week I share very practical and simple tips and techniques to help you take back control of your mental health and life. In this interview, I'm interviewing Jordan Harbinger. Jordan often referred to as the Larry King of podcasting, is a Wall Street lawyer turned interview talk show host and a communications and social dynamics expert. Jordan has hosted a top 50 iTunes podcast for over 12 years now and receives over 6 million downloads per month, making The Jordan Harbinger Show one of the most popular podcasts in the world. The show was awarded Apple's Best of 2018, and is one of the most downloaded shows of the year. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, Jordan deconstructs the playbooks of the most successful people on earth and shares their strategies, perspectives and practical insights with the rest of us. Jordan spent several years abroad in Europe and the developing world, including South America, Eastern Europe, Asia and the Middle East, and he speaks five languages. He has also worked for various governments and NGOs overseas. Traveled to war zones and even been kidnapped twice. Jordan and I discuss the what it takes to be successful, how to stop taking feedback so personally, why we shouldn't tell other people about our goals, signs you are doing self-help all wrong, and what you should be doing instead, tips for entrepreneurs and more. Thank you for tuning in once again to my podcast and for all your support. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave a review on iTunes and share this episode and podcast with friends and family and on social media. Jordan, I have to ask you, first off the cuff, tell us about this being kidnapped twice. That's fascinating.
0: Sure. Yeah. The short version is when I was in Mexico at age 20, I got into a fake taxi. And then when I was in Serbia, former Yugoslavia, in age 24, was that when it was? Yeah. Wow. A long time ago now. I, wow. I was arrested by their state security agency for, they thought, being a spy, which is the dumbest thing ever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. just ineptitude and garbage and ended up getting away from that and getting a letter of apology from the foreign minister of Serbia, delivered to me by the u.s embassy it was kind of a silly incident but classic sort of corrupt government baloney thing to happen
1: gosh that's crazy but how long was it for and how did you get out of it was each each of the situations
0: yeah so in um in serbia i managed to escape when they went to go get us some water and or abandon us in like a, an abandoned building we're still not sure if they were going to come back or not and managed to escape with my friend and then in because we weren't really locked in. They thought we were restrained, but we weren't. They they were heavily intoxicated, so I think they just screwed up. And then when the fake taxi, I ended up in a physical conflict with the cab driver, and he was 50 and drove a cab, or 50 whatever years old, 50 something, drove a cab all day, and I was 20 and worked out twice a day because I was, you know, in mexico and had, yeah. had nothing else to do at my job so he did not he didn't he didn't make it through that uh conflict and i ended up getting out of the car through his doorway after that and escaping
1: that's incredible wow that's quite a quite a story to have in your back sure yeah so so jordan I, i've read your bio but who are you how did you get to where you are now what led you here why do you do what you do because it's fascinating
0: You know, I I do what I do because I think it's important to educate people in a way, or at least I should say this. It's important for people to be able to understand and think critically so that they don't fall for BS that a lot of people are peddling. Mm. And as you, I'm sure, are aware, there's tons and tons of people out there that are saying things that aren't true, that are making up radical claims and things like that. And it's just, it's not good. It's not good for society. An uneducated populace causes all sorts of problems. And so I want people to be able to think more clearly. I want people to be able to think better and more critically. And I want people to get access to folks that aren't just in mainstream media. Not that mainstream media is like an evil monolith or anything. I just think, Mm -hmm. you know, they're optimizing for... Things like clicks and or quick views in an airport lounge, mm. they're not there's no money in it for them, or at least it's harder money for them to create something that's a real conversation, a real discussion. It doesn't make economic sense for them to do that. So they don't. They they just don't do that. And that's problematic and at, on at, at, at multiple levels. But it's, it's actually bad for our democracy as well
1: it's bad for the human mind and brain as well if you if you can't have a deep thinking conversation or see someone else's point of view it actually damages your brain so it's a very good thing that we do teach people to think so you're in my wheelhouse there i love that well you've interviewed some really big names like malcolm gladwell and kobe bryant and what what are some of the biggest takeaways that you have from these interviews or maybe most amazing pieces of advice you've heard from a guest
0: Sure. So some of the most amazing takeaways aren't necessarily quick one off kind of drills and exercises, but a lot of what we have Mm -hmm. are patterns of thinking. And that's that's the thing. Otherwise, you could just get this easily from their tweets or their social media or something Mm. like that. But really hearing how somebody like Kobe Bryant deconstructs management of his company takes basketball mm. skills and learns how to manage people in a corporation that is a much more insightful bit of information than just like oh what was it like playing against shaquille o'neal you know mm. or whatever like or being on the same team mm. as Shaquille O'Neal. like all that stuff is just kind of bs and fluff and what's better is to hear what he's learned throughout his basketball career and then say great now how do you apply that to parenting how do you apply that to managing your business how do you apply that in your creative pursuits, running an agency, creative agency in in working on like children's books, things like that is, is really useful. We get an insight into their mind. Of course, a lot of the guests will also teach things like networking and and relationship development topics, or they'll teach us actual hardcore practical skills. And that's one of the things on the show that really matters is Mm -hmm. having a practical takeaway that you can apply. So I, I occasionally will just get a great story from somebody, somebody who's, you know, kidnapped by ISIS or whatever. But most of the Mm -hmm. time I'm actually getting advice from these people. And that that's better because very rarely do we have a chance to ask a best-selling author, superstar, athlete, CEO, billionaire, for actual advice. Often people just say, wow, how did you learn how to control a company like Google? And it's like, oh, that's sort of interesting, but none of us are ever going to use it, right? Mm, but if we say, exactly. how do you think about problems in a way that is more effective because you have billions of dollars in the line and thousands, tens of thousands of people looking to you to not screw it up, well, then we can apply that to our dry cleaning business or our family, right? Right.
1: I love that. So what you're looking at is helping people to, to see the patterns of thinking behind what people are doing as opposed to just the extrinsic end, end product. Right. You're looking deep, deep into their intrinsic psyche and looking at what patterns they are because everyone's unique and individual, but there are certain patterns that will emerge that will produce, well, enable us to do what we do. That's brilliant. I love that.
0: And those are tougher to deconstruct, right? Like I'm mm. sure you found that you found this as well in your own work. It's not just Oh yeah. Uh, often what people say is just not the case, and it's not that they're lying, it's that they don't know. So if I say to somebody like Kobe Bryant, "Wow, what do you think makes you so effective on the court?" well, that or in management. That's actually an okay question. It's not terrible, but it's not good either because he'll say something like, "Huh, okay, well, I'm on the spot." This is his internal dialogue. "Well, I'm on the spot on a podcast." That's being recorded by this guy, Jordan Harbinger. So I better say Mm -hmm. something that sounds insightful. So what he'll say is, oh, well, I learned a lot of lessons playing for a team like the Lakers and others that were how to deal with high pressure situations. And I bring that into the business. But that's that's not really. Of course, you do. Of course, you take lessons you learned on the court. I want to learn what specifically you're doing. So I might say, what happens when somebody disappoints you? In your business, because we saw what happens when somebody disappoints you on the court with the Lakers. You get really angry. You show them your anger right away. Mm. And you're doing that. Why? To motivate them? And he'll be like, yeah, I would do that to motivate them. And I say, well, okay, do you bring that into your business? And I actually asked him this on the episode of the Jordan Harbinger show with Kobe Bryant. And he said, no, I don't, because there's no real place for that in a corporate environment. he's He said, yes, sometimes I will show a little bit of anger if I think it will help, but often it doesn't. So most of the time I have to point them in the right direction and then stay out of their way. And I said, wow, that's very different than what you were doing on the basketball court where you were kind of telling everybody what to do. And he said, well, on the basketball court, I knew everybody's job. As well or better oh than they gosh. did, because in, in a creative industry, I don't know what the book cover designer artist color chooser pattern, you know, textile paper chooser whatever, you know, uh, making a children's book like this guy's been doing this for 20 years. I hired him. My job is to tell him what I want and stay out of the way.
1: Oh, well, that's brilliant! So what you what you've essentially done is you've actually forced people to go to the deepest level of their non-conscious mind. Literally, you would have if we had to scan your interviewees' brains while we were while they were being interviewed by you, we would see a whole lot of gamma activity, which is when you're very insightful and when you are digging deep and when you're really tapping into why do I do what I do, why, 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 why? When you dig like that, it transforms how the energy in your brain brain works because your brain just responds to your mind. So that's really good because you really get to the core of who a person is and why they do what they do. I love that. It's, it's so important as well. We've forgotten how to think deeply in this day and age. And I'm not sure if you're aware of some of the research out there, but there's some really cool research showing that they took people and they put them into a room of 18 to 75-year-olds, and they put them into a room and they took their cell phones away and they said, okay, all you've got to do is think for 16 minutes that's all no phones no nothing just think think deeply just go where your mind takes you just really go in introspect and everyone consistently the majority of people in that study hated that experiment they hated doing it and when they asked them why they said because we actually just don't want to we don't want to go there we don't want to think about it. We, we don't know we're bored or they just they, they couldn't handle that and there was a shocking device in the room and it was very well hidden and People were so bored thinking about their thinking about their thinking and going inside their mind that they they went and some of them, it was 54% of the men, actually more men than women, found the shocking machine and they preferred to shock themselves and sit and think. And that is very significant of our society today. And I think you're tapping into a core element of reteaching people how to think deeply. I mean, that's what I get out of your shows when I listen to your shows and that's why it appeals to me because I teach people to think. so. That's fascinating what you do. Well, I
0: appreciate that. Yeah, it's actually as you you're aware then it's it's really tough to do this and that's why I think it's it's very. it's great to to have the opportunity to speak to your audience because we both teach people how to think and we're both mm-hmm. very scientific in that respect and I think that this is important for democracy it's important to even think about this because you get duped you will ha- you will live a less mm. satisfying and more risky life, a riskier life if you don't know how to think properly because you can't evaluate risk properly. That's why you see people who are who have poor critical thinking skills get sucked into things like multi-level mm. marketing. Yeah, you, you see, did a good show
1: on that too. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. You, you you see people who are who lack critical thinking skills and don't understand their own cognitive bias. You see them getting in trouble with being in bad relationships because they don't know mm. how to real. they don't realize when their own brain is tricking them. Mm. and they, let's see, what else? Okay, so democracy, of course, financially with the multi-level marketing and among other things, right? Like, oh, I I don't want to invest in this thing because my emotions tell me to do this other thing or this person's telling me to do something else. Like, you can be persuaded, you, you don't know how to parse data properly. And I don't mean looking at a spreadsheet. I mean exactly. someone saying, hey, this will do this for you. Well, okay, what are the odds that the one person who knows how to beat the financial market versus... They are actually full of crap. Well, you don't, if you don't know how to say, well, my brain says this, but my actual logic says that, you don't realize when you're being influenced. And so you really can't do anything against it. And you see people like that falling into these traps all the time. And cognitive bias and having a thorough understanding of that is massively important for you financially, it's important for your, your romantic life, it's important for your family life. So all of these skills that I teach on the Jordan Harbinger show actually improve your life, whether or not you think you're gonna put them into play in your business, your family, it doesn't matter. You have to be aware of these things, these traps, these biases, or you're gonna fall prey and victim to them. And that's where it starts to downgrade your quality of life.
1: Do you struggle to fall asleep? Maybe you find yourself getting more and more headaches. The problem could be coming from your technology. Many studies have shown that exposure to artificial blue light can disrupt sleeping patterns, increase headaches and can even contribute to increased levels of stress and anxiety by raising cortisol. But don't worry, there is a solution. Blue Blocks Glasses. Blue Blocks is the only company that offers blue light filtering lenses backed by the latest science. They also have the largest selection of frames to choose from, and they are the only company that can take your own frames and turn them into Blue Blocks glasses. I love my Blue Blocks glasses and I wear them every day. They have been especially helpful as I work on my new book late at night on my computer. And just for my listeners, Bluebox is offering a 15% off discount with the code LEAF, L-E-A-F, at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. You're challenging people to really look at the look deeply inside themselves and ask them why they're doing what they're doing, and and that's vital, as you say. The other side of what you're saying as well is the agreeing to disagree. We've we've got to such a state in our world today. Where we've we've got, everyone wants to change everyone else's mind to think like me, and that's one of the worst things that we can do, you know. So you're really getting people to think about what they're doing, but also not just to focus on me, myself, and I. And there's this uh, this would fascinate you, Jordan. There's a piece of research that I. There that was done showing that the more times a person says I I me my you know all those those using the personal pronouns the more they increase their chance of having a cardiovascular event by forty two percent in the next twelve really? months. Really, why is so that? Not, because it's um because our brain is not designed just to focus on ourselves. We've designed to uh, structured because of a connection with humans. When we are connecting with others in this interactive way, when you're really trying to understand other people, when you understand who you are and recognize that other people are different and they're not a threat and that I don't have to push myself I just have to understand other people and understand myself and it's me in the world when you have that kind of attitude and you're not threatened you increase your cardiovascular health your brain flow the energy through your brain flows differently the neurotransmitters flow differently so you actually transform your entire physical functioning just by the way that you are thinking so when you shallow think when you do the opposite of what you're trying to teach people to do all the opposite happens and then people become very self-involved and become you know seeking after me myself and I and it's prideful and it's trying to use other people to get somewhere instead of actually seeing what can I do for them and that shortens it goes against it just shortens people's lifespan it damages the heart damages the brain damages energy flow all of that has it causes low-grade inflammation across the entire brain and body you know so when people realize that they the, the more you think which is What I'm teaching people all the time as well, which is why I love your show, is we do it in different ways. But when you teach people to think deeply, that why, 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 you actually transform how your entire nervous system works and how every cell in your body works, even down to the level of your DNA. And it's in a positive versus negative direction. Mm. So you can handle like the sufferings. And that's why I loved your show with Ashke, because he talks about like taking the challenge of suffering and 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 finding the lessons, and you know that that's that kind of thing is where you've got to really think deeply. You've really got to go inside. You've got to face the stuff, and you also referenced something a little bit in what you're in your answer a moment ago in terms of how we've shifted in this current day and age, where if you think of people, our mental health approach is you know take a tablet and suppress your issues, but if you, unless you actually embrace and process the suffering and embrace and process the depression, which is telling you a story, there's something going on in your life, you're not ill, you don't, you don't need a drug to squash it down, you actually need to find out why you are feeling depressed. That requires the kind of thinking that you're teaching. So when I listen to your show and learn how Kobe Bryant does what he does, or how Malcolm Gladwell does what he does, or why Ash K thinks like he does, or why Jordan thinks like he does, I am seeing a pattern of thinking, like you said earlier on, on how to go deeper inside me to find out what I've got. And I mean that's. What we have to do as humans.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. That is cool. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that you agree with that. I I don't totally understand or have my mind around all of the neuroscience behind it. Of course, I don't know how things can affect DNA, maybe that the epigenetic level. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Right down to your chromosomes, how they switch on. So genes don't switch on. Genes are switched on. They can't switch on themselves. It's called self-emergence. They So our genes are activated in every cell. of The reason we're alive is because our genes are switching on and off. So all 75 to 100 trillion cells of your brain and your body are driven by your energy force, which is pretty much your mind. I mean, it's just quantum physics. It's physics. It's not anything weird. And that, as you're thinking and feeling, you're generating all this energy through your brain and body and then you have this chemical and electrical reaction, electromagnetic and genetic. And it's like a you switching, reaching out your hand and switching on a light. So when you're thinking you are switching out your hand and switching on a light, which is actually activating all this energy like a wave. And then your genes switch on and off and proteins are made and thoughts build in your brain and then you speak and then you do and then your body functions. So when we don't think deeply, that process is is kind of, it doesn't work like it should. So the proteins don't fold correctly and that has a down, a whole cascade effect through the entire body because we literally are making 810,000 cells every second. And the quality of those cells are influenced by what you're thinking about. So the more you think deeply, the more you can agree to disagree without having an argument with someone, the more you can be, okay, you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican, or I'm a Republican, and you're this, or I'm this culture, and you that, the more you can actually agree to disagree or listen to other people's points of view or have the curious learner mindset, do all the things that, that have taking people that you interview to another level, taking you to another level. When you can have that kind of attitude, it, it actually influences the environment around your cells and how your body functions, right down to the level of
0: how your genes are expressing.
1: So it's a very important job that you're doing. You're actually helping people to be physically and mentally healthier.
0: Well, I like to believe that. Of course I don't have any uh, peer reviewed science to back up that claim, <laughs> but I get a lot of emails to that effect. And honestly I can't see how teaching someone critical thinking skills and bringing them interesting and enlightening stories could be bad for them. So that's the bar right now, right, in, in content creation.
1: Exactly, exactly, which is really great. Okay, so you, you state that the goal of your podcast is to decode secret stories and skills of the world's most interesting people and turn their wisdom into practical advice that people can use to impact their life and their community. And you spoke about this pattern of thinking. Based on all the interviews of the people that you've done, would you say that the pattern of thinking, is there some, I know it's a pattern, I know it's unique to, we've already discussed this in the previous question, but is there a way of thinking that produces that pattern of thinking? What is the deepest thing? What is the deepest level that we can go to here that you think people are going to that, that are different?
0: Does that question make yeah, sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. You're looking for something that the uh, in the way that high performers think that maybe is meta and helps them become a better or higher performer than other people. And you know, that would be great to isolate. I think it's different for each person. You know, I think with somebody like Kobe Bryant, you have natural talent plus just an unbelievable work ethic that's kind of supernatural and really not supernatural at all, just actually the the top level of natural work ethic, right? Somebody who found their passion really early, worked on it 24 seven, and got exactly what they wanted out of it. And that's what you see with athletes and folks who are just singularly driven. But then when you look at somebody who's also really great at what they do, like Simon Sinek, you know, who talks about mm. why, find your why, the power of, uh, of why, things like that, or start with why. You find people who are naturally really smart, introspective, and look at problems and doggedly try to solve them, but are also really well-practiced with speaking, presenting, teaching, research, and things like that. So I don't find sort of one common thread as far as thinking goes i think the if i had to pick something it would be that everybody who i've talked to who's truly amazing has a really really strong work ethic and realizes that their talent's not necessarily what's going to take them to the top and that's not probably exactly what you're asking but i think a no, lot of these exactly. people is it okay i, I think it. a lot of them oh, also actually, spend, I love it. Mm. a lot of them spend a lot of time also sitting back and saying okay am I thinking about this in the right way? Not just, I need to put as many mm. processing cycles on this as possible and shoot as many free throws as possible. You know, if we're mm. t- going back mm. to the Kobe example, yes, he probably mm. did thousands of free throws every week even, but he also probably went, stepped back and said, am I even training the right way? Is what's good practice for everybody else on the team going to be good practice for me? Or do I need a separate level of coaching that brings things to the next level is the way that I heal from injury going to be important or is a lot of that's actually a really good example so a lot of Mm. injury recovery and I didn't know this in professional athletics sometimes I should say is actually related to pain mitigation so let's say that you sprain an ankle and the trainer or the doctor says okay well you've got to stay off this for two weeks and you go oh my god two weeks I have an Mm -hmm. important game this week and next week I can't miss two weeks Well, it's important to then say if you're not thinking about this, you just go, okay, can't play for two weeks. But if you ask the doctor, why two weeks? And they say, well, it's going to take six weeks to heal instead of two weeks to heal if you're playing on it. And then you're going to have to do eight weeks of physical therapy after the season instead of two weeks of physical therapy after the season. Most players would go oh, well, okay, I want it to heal as fast as possible. But if you're thinking about what is best for you and you remove the pain variable because you don't care and you can deal with the pain and still play at the 99th percentile or the 100th percentile in the top 1%, then you say, okay, well, I'm gonna play. I will take longer to heal. I'll deal with pain for longer. And then I'll do rehab for longer after the season, which is also painful and takes more time because I don't care about pain. So once you remove that variable, you realize, oh, okay, You can actually play on this. It's just not going to be good for you long-term. But if you're willing to deal with even more pain long-term, then you'll still do it. And somebody like Kobe, they would say, I'll deal with 100 times more pain over 100 times the amount of time the longer term, because I need maximum 99.9th percentile performance right now. And most people don't think about that. They just sort of take existing science existing practice at face value and they say well let's let's evolve what we're doing now and bring that to the next level but truly great thinkers are like let's scr- what would we do if we could scrub this whole model and start over and that that's important for high performers
1: that is brilliant. And what you've actually isolated is the uniqueness of every person and the ability to think. And it's the thinking that then drives the whatever it is that they do, whatever decision that they make. So it's how they are uniquely seeing that particular perspective. And you hit another very important point, and that's that things change. Nothing's No science is cast in stone. If I've learned one thing from being a researcher, and I still do clinical trials, and we've just finished a whole set of very interesting clinical trials now, and that's that every person Person is a case study and a unique individual case study that is in the world, not just you alone, but you in the world and the impact that you have in the world. But you have to find your whatever it is inside of you and, and make and think about how you're going to manage that. And you've described that with Kobe's, for example, the Kobe's and working through the pain. So it's definitely you, as the individual, have to choose to. What am I going to do about this information that I'm faced with, and how am I going to manage it? How am I going to push through? It's thinking deeply about it again. And it's in its, there's no, I can't copy your pattern. I can't become successful. I make a lousy you. I've got to find what makes me a great me. And that's going to enhance others. And that's what I have found key in my work is it's not just about me. It's about me and the world. A study that you'd find fascinating, because just in terms of what you teach, is they ask people in Japan that have a more community focus, what is the main thing about you and what is the most important thing to you? And their answer collectively was about what I can do for my community, how I can enhance my community. You ask Americans the same thing and they'll say, myself, my goals, my passion, my dream, my very eye focused. And what we find is that people that are more community focused and people that are more that recognize that another individual is equally as good as you enhance me, I enhance you, I make a lousy you, I can choose. It's my mind to see what I'm going to do with my life. That pushes people forward. And that's what I'm hearing. If I, if I actually analyze what you're saying and what you, when you interview people, that's what I see is how you pulled that out of people. You've pulled that core thing of this is what I've got in me and this is my choice and this is what I can do with my life. So I love that. I think
0: it's, th- that's true. And it's actually a little bit more than that, just about, not, well, it's it's that and. So Also, it's not just thinking deeply. It's about questioning assumptions. So when we look at, let's say something like, let's go back to the, we're obsessed with Kobe because uh, he's top of mind now that you mentioned in the beginning of the show. But trust me, I have other episodes with other folks if you don't care about basketball, which I also don't (laughs) care about. But if you look at the basketball example, then the doctor or the trainer might say something like, actually, you know what, let's do Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek, start with why. He talks about why it's important to Mm. be at work, and that's how you get the most performance out of your team because they want to be there because you all have the same why. So let's say you're, you're you're all passionate about saving the oceans from bits of microplastic, so you're developing a biodegradable plastic. Well, everybody in the mm-hmm. company should be on board with that mission and ideally be very passionate about that mission as well mm-hmm. because if they're not, then you won't have their full sort of cognitive power, their full buy-in, and that's great. But the idea behind this is a lot of companies will hire someone and say, how do I motivate my employees? And it's like, well, wait a minute. You don't have to motivate people who are obsessed with something because they're very self-motivated. In fact, you, you have to motivate them to take care of themselves and take time off because they're obsessed with something. That's a different problem to have. So if you find people that are all obsessed with protecting the oceans from microplastics, so you're developing a biodegradable plastic, and you hire properly for those people, well then, your biggest concern is, hey, I need to have nap pods and massages and make sure that people are taking vacation and give people, maybe (laughs) we create a retreat center that's on the beach and people can enjoy the beach and release sea turtles, and we literally Mm -hmm. make them go do that, and it's relaxing and fun, and that's where we hold our training, because otherwise, people are. going to night and day be busting their tails so bad that they're going to burn out and quit or lose Mm, their edge, mm -hmm. then your problems become champagne or high quality problems in that respect. But if you're sitting there going, how do we motivate our employees? And it's like, what do you do? And uh, you go, oh, well, we are the premier manufacturer of something that nobody knows, even the people who work here don't even know what it does. And it goes on a part of a car that nobody's ever seen unless you build cars. Mm. And it's like, "Mm, it's really hard for me to get excited about patrol petroleum-based lubricants, you know, so you can get people excited about that sort of thing, but you have to have the messaging. You can't just hire motivational speakers to come in and motivate Mm. your employees every month. You have to have somebody like a Simon Sinek come in and say, why is everybody here? Not in this speech, but why are you in this company at all? If it's for a paycheck, you're Mm. in the wrong place, right? And so you have to start from first principles, and that's really important. Most people aren't doing that. To put the basketball example back on the table, if you listen to the doctor because he's a doctor and that's what you're supposed to listen to, it's probably pretty good advice. But if you're listening to the doctor and you don't question the assumption, well, I assume you don't want to do rehab because it takes time and it hurts. And I assume you don't want pain because pain is uncomfortable. Well, if we don't question that, then you'll never find the person or you're in within yourself going, well, I don't care about the pain. And I've had even just as recently as the last few weeks, I've had you know, tax consultants coming in working for the Jordan Harbinger show. And they're like, we need to do this. And I go, why? And they go, it's going to save $30,000 in taxes. And I'll go, that's Mm -hmm. great. What if we do this totally different thing? We still pay taxes on that 30 grand and we just don't worry about it, but we end up moving the money over to this other thing. So we end up paying taxes, but the money is better spent in this other way because we Mm -hmm. have a charitable foundation Mm -hmm. as a result. And he goes, yeah, but you're not saving on taxes. And I go, yeah, but that's not the primary motivator or mm-hmm. my primary value is not save mm-hmm. three grand or 10 grand or whatever it is. My primary motivator is making an impact in this area. So if I have to spend an extra 10,000 in taxes on that 30,000, that's money well spent because it supports the mission. And they go, oh, okay, that makes sense too. And I, I was like, oh, This tax accountant, their clients all just want to save on taxes. We're not the same as those other companies. So we had to tell him that and he got it because he's good at what he does. But that's important Mm -hmm. because a lot of us don't even understand. We go, oh, if I do this, then I can work less. Well, what if you just liked work and so you wanted to go to work and then you didn't have to rearrange Mm -hmm. your entire life to work less, right? Right.
1: Exactly. Does that make sense? Exactly. So totally. To- and I totally agree with that because what you're making people do is ask, answer, and discuss, which is deep reflection. You're making them, "Why am I doing this? Why do I?" And that then finds the passion in the person, and then you then you intrinsically driven versus extrinsically driven.
0: Right, as you know, and as you've written about in your your work, intrinsic motivation. is… That's something that can last a lifetime, or at least doesn't just one day drive you crazy and you say, to hell with this, right? It's the type of thing that can last a really long time. Look, if you hate your commute and you don't want to work in your office, then the solution isn't, if I work more hours, I can retire early and I'll have less of a commute. The The answer to that that's more effective is, what would happen if I figured out ways to work from home, Right. Then you're Mm. you're doing that based on your core value, which is maybe spending more time with your family and not having that commute. Not just in 20 years, I can retire instead of 30 because I'm spending four hours a day doing overtime. (laughs) Right. Like that's not how you do that. You have to question those assumptions or you just you end up with an 80 percent solution instead of actually solving the problem.
1: This episode is brought to you by Juve, an at-home red light therapy device. Red light therapy is a powerful, non-invasive treatment which delivers natural wavelengths of light to your skin and cells. Numerous studies have shown red light therapy can be an effective modality that we can use to help heal and improve our mental, cognitive, and physical health. It's one of the best things I recommend for optimal health and an integral part of my self-care routine. Head over to juve.com slash DrLeaf, that's J. OOVV forward slash DRLEAF. And if you use the code Dr. Leaf at checkout, you'll get a nice bonus gift with your purchase. On that note, I wanted to actually refer to an article that you wrote in one of your blogs that. Five signs you are self-helping the wrong way. I love this because I'm a total believer that the self-help industry is causing people to become much more self-involved and self-obsessed. I dislike and find it so dangerous how people use positive affirmations like a band-aid and rather than deal with the root issues. In fact, there's one paragraph. I just want to read one of the paragraphs from from this blog and then chat about it. Um, That's part of the reason, this is your writing, Mm -hmm. obviously. That's part of the reason we see so many insecure leaders, dysfunctional therapists, anxious parents, and miserable entrepreneurs. Because instead of using self-help to address their true issues, they use it to chase external goals, believing that achievement will resolve their underlying psychological needs, but it never does. It might mask the issue for a while, It might even make it easier to cope with, but sooner or later, the jig is up. We are left with ourselves, and our achievements only seem to highlight the lack, need, or wound beneath the surface. Brilliant. Can you talk a little bit about this article and what inspired you to write it, and what we should be doing instead?
0: Sure. Yeah. So this is something I wrote a while back, and it took me a long time to publish it. So I'm going to go ahead and like go through the structure of this. And hopefully, you can link it in the show notes. But even if you're just following Absolutely. along at home, you can go to jordanharbinger.com. And in the articles section is five signs you're self helping the wrong way. And one of the th- reasons I wrote this was because I noticed that so many people online, you know, Instagram, it's really in your face. You see all these stupid memes that don't mean anything and and things like that. But I realized that a lot of people were using self-help and personal growth as escapism. Mm. And that was really bad because a lot of people were just reading a ton, following every self-help account on Instagram. They were going to all these dumb workshops that didn't do anything. They were had mm. 7,000 <laughs> books they didn't read and they felt guilty about not reading those books. So they were exhausted. They were getting mm. sick. They felt like everybody else who was doing this was better than them in some way. They felt a lack of meaning in their lives. And I thought, what the mm. hell? And I started talking to coaches that were doing a lot of self-help work and they had the exact same mm. problem. They were like focusing 24 seven on hacking the process and improving the system mm. and things like that. And I realized, wow, these people are all depressed. Should we be <laughs> listening to them? I don't That's think so, so right? Like they might have the magic combination to work less, but they're still miserable. Mm -hmm. So like, do we really want to emulate that example for people who have outsourced their dating life to their virtual assistant? Mm. Like, that's not really what makes people Mm -hmm. happy. I don't even see my friends anymore. We all have a virtual hangout (laughs) every Friday and we drink by ourselves. Like, wow, that's lame. You know, that's not a real example, but that's kind of a a satirical example of things that really, really happen. And so people are not enjoying the process of becoming better in any way at all. They were, aren't enjoying the journey. And the problem is since the journey kind of never ends until you Mm -hmm. die. And then depending on who you're talking to continues after Mm -hmm. that. But, but like people are not enjoying this. So they're honing themselves. And then what they Mm -hmm. like, kinda, they just, they buy the farm and then that's it. it. It sounds sounds a little bit like some sort of samurai mm. thing, right? Like keep working and eventually you die. And your reward is everyone looked at how sad your life was and remembers you for that. Like, no, thanks. No thanks. Yeah. Um, and so you're unfulfilled, but the harder you work to get fulfilled, the less fulfilled you are, because the more work you realize you have to do. And if you're not enjoying the journey, then the to-do list stacks up mm. and stares you in the face. You can never relax. You're holding your infant son and thinking about how you don't have zero inbox anymore because you, you know, it's after lunch and you were at zero this mm. morning, but you bet there's emails in there, like you're never present, that kind of thing. Mm. And then, of course, on top of that, if your to-do list and your journey is not enjoyable, you start to realize like, oh, I, I'm having trouble applying this stuff to my life. And that's highly problematic, so what am I gonna do about that? Well, I guess I'm just not going to apply everything, which is fine, but then if you're feeling guilt or you're feeling some sort of dysfunction over that, and then you start to realize, uh uh-oh, I'm feeling bad about not doing this. And then you start to compare yourself to other people who look like they're doing it, but if you're comparing yourself to the online persona of a lot of these self-help people, well, the problem is you're comparing your blooper reel to their highlight reel, Mm -hmm. which is always gonna look differently. And then you're obsessing over other people's growth at the expense of your Mm -hmm. own happiness. And we can sort of see where that goes from there. And ironically, self-help really is hardest to apply to yourself. And so a lot of people who are obsessed with self-help, they just become self-help coaches or something mm, like that. Exactly. And then they go, oh, well, I'm changing my clients. And it's like, it's like the fat personal trainer. Yeah. Whoops. Exactly. Right? <laughs> oh, well, it's easy for me to tell other people to go work out and run and watch what they eat. But for me, yeah, I'm too busy. Right? Come on. Yeah. It's
1: kind of like they're transferring what they should be doing onto someone else. It's easier to tell someone else what to do than, you know, to do it for yourself.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Now, oh, that's brilliant. Well we'll make we'll make sure that that is in the show notes, the link and everything to that article because it's really touched that touches a chord with me and and it's it's if there's anything more you want to say about that, go ahead, Jordan.
0: Sure. so there's there's probably a bunch. I mean, it's a really long article, but I think a lot of people also use, self-help and personal growth to build their ego. And we see this online as well, where there's all these folks that are like, I'm hacking life, I'm biohacking, I'm automating this, I'm automating that. And that's great, and you see that from people who sell products in that area, which I understand Mm -hmm. is marketing. But there are so many people that do a hell of a lot more showing off online and on Instagram or doing what they're mm-hmm. doing and doing the self-help stuff. They're doing it almost as a show for other people. And look, if you're getting in shape and you've got this side effect that you can take great selfies and with your six pack, mm-hmm. then, then fine, I, I get it. I'm not mad at you for that. Yeah. But if you're doing the self-help, personal growth to enhance your ego, your identity, you know, it's really just fueling your narcissism, exactly. which is gonna fuel comparisons with other people, which is gonna actually inhibit self-actualization. Which then, of course, takes you further away from the growth that you're in theory actually seeking. So you don't want to pursue the egoic rewards of self-development because then you actually miss out on the benefit that self-development brings in the first exactly, place
1: Exactly, which is actually humility When you so you start recognizing that there is something that you can do that no one else can do and that it's actually enhanced by others you don't, you know, because it doesn't it, it fosters self-help fosters comparison whereas self-development or self-awareness I teach people self-awareness is going to make you dig deeper to find your identity and that brings tremendous humility because you start recognizing wow look look at this and and everyone else you you're your own category no one is like you so you don't have to you're not a number you're not a personality profile you're not in a box you're not you don't have to be like that Instagram six-pack whatever you are you and you can actually celebrate others so self-help doesn't foster that it fosters an extrinsic if I get that and put that in me it's going to make me better and it's very concerning as you say it's created a whole industry and a whole group of people that are very depressed Makes people.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's like the entire opposite point of personal development. Like theoretically, if we're making ourselves better, we should be happier about having done that. But if we cannot do that because we're constantly obsessed with what other people mm. are doing or where our own progress is and therefore are not enjoying the journey, that's a big problem because w- when you compete with yourself you grow as a result. When you compete with others, you may grow as a result, but you also poison the well of all your relationships. And you start a narrative, many times I should say, you start a narrative about how you are lacking and other people are doing better. And that is, you know, clearly that's unhealthy. If if your self-talk is, man, I've worked really hard, but I'm still not as good as this person on Instagram, you're in deep trouble because now you're making yourself miserable. Someone else is not even thinking about you. And then what? If you beat them, right, then what? There's somebody else who's better than you. You don't wanna just compare yourself to people underneath you because you don't grow, or you start looking down on others as a result. So like, there's no real benefit Mm -hmm. to doing that. You have to be able to compete with other people in a healthy way, and you're generally not doing that if you're obsessed with your own personal growth. You're usually doing that in a way that ends up being negative. And so you have to be able to enjoy your own growth while running your own race and, and really only paying attention to others for inspiration or ideas as opposed to, let's say, doing it because you want to beat yourself up and that's how you self-motivate. Like that's super unhealthy and bad for you. Oh,
1: I love what you just said there. That statement really does some so It really brings that down to the main point, which is look at others for inspiration and celebrate them literally. Otherwise, you miss the whole point of it, and that you know that whole enjoy the process, it's and and enjoy who you are, enjoy finding out about who who you are. Now that's fantastic, Jordan. I love that. I mean, I could talk about twenty hours just about this subject alone. This episode is sponsored by Ned, one of my favorite CBD companies. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil products contain CBD extracted from the finest organic hemp plants ned offers many different products including a collection for balancing hormones and helping ease period pains i personally have found their products to be a great addition to my mental self-care routine their full spectrum hemp oils help me sleep better fall asleep fast and just feel overall much calmer ned products are non-gmo a great source of antioxidants can help reduce inflammation and pain and will not get you high. Thank you, Ned, for supporting the show. You can get 15% off today with free shipping by going to com forward slash DrLeaf and use the code Dr. Leaf D-R-L-E-A-F. The link will also be in the show notes. You've written it, an article called, it's titled, Want to accomplish your goals? Stop talking about them so much. And that really caught my attention. Can you talk a bit about why people should not publicize their goals and how talking about them can actually be detrimental? Because that goes against so much conventional wisdom. So I think it's a really good topic. Sure.
0: Yeah, and I know that we researched the heck out of this science when we wrote the piece, and I don't have it in front of me right now. But from memory, what that actually means is, yes, there's tons of people out there that are like, state your goal loud and proud. And the reason we see that at self-help seminars and things like that in personal growth workshops is not because it works for you as the student broadcasting your goals. It's because actually you make yourself feel really good when you broadcast your goals to other people. You get a dopamine hit when you speak to other people Mm -hmm. about what you are going to do. And that's really, really bad because it actually causes you, as you know, Mm -hmm. we're all addicted to our own dopamine kind of by definition. What happens is you are taking a dopamine spike and then you are less likely since you already got the reward, you are less likely to pursue that actual goal. And the reason that we see it in all these seminars and that it's given as a drill is because it feels good in the moment. So if I'm sitting there at some Baloney self-help mm-hmm. workshop and I'm like yelling my goal to a group of people and they're applauding or I'm writing them all down yeah. and telling them to the group yeah. I get this benefit uh, this dopamine hit and I go wow this workshop is really cool really useful I'm so excited I'm so motivated we credit the workshop for that and then we upgrade to the next level what we don't realize is Actually, by sharing that, since we got the reward, we're less likely to pursue that same reward again by actually accomplishing the goal. So science now is showing, hey, if you come up with a goal, that's great, but don't talk about it with everyone. If people ask, you know, that's fine, but don't run around talking about it because you're just giving yourself the reward and then you're demotivating yourself to go and earn that same reward yourself. And there are a lot of theories about that in other areas of life, and some of it is is also probably a little bit of Not the same thing, but moral licensing. You've heard of this Mm -hmm. concept, right? Where you buy a Prius and then you can litter because your your car is good Mm -hmm. for the environment, Mm -hmm. you know? Or like, you don't have to. So you see that a lot with this as well. And it's kind of like somebody who goes to the gym and then they do this super heavy lifting. They're like, I don't have to lift for the rest of the week because I did this one thing. It's like, well, the person who's outside walking every day, seven days mm-hmm. a week, they're actually burning more calories exactly. than you, mm-hmm. but the intensity is lower. So they don't get as much of a dopamine endorphin rush. And look, exercise science aside, we see this in pretty much every Everything. pursuit. We mm-hmm. see people who are bragging and, and advertising and that alone triggers the reward. And that's what you see on social media. Mm-hmm. You see all these people being like, look what I'm doing. And then it's like, oh, good. I got likes. And then you meet these people in real life and you go, oh, really? okay. Does this <laughs> Right. Your entire life is based around getting a dopamine hit plus approval from others, which is a massively toxic combination. When your dopamine is coming Mm. from the approval of others, you're setting yourself up for massive, massive fall. And so it's better for you to keep these things to yourself and enjoy them. And I'm not saying don't share your victories on Instagram or interesting things that you're doing, but the more you share your goals, the less likely you are to actually achieve them. And that's worth noting. You know, you can share them with family and things like that, but if you're online talking about everything that you're going to do, if you're doing it in self-help seminars, just realize that's so that you upgrade and feel good. It's not so that you accomplish your goal. And that's that's where that big lie is. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's so good. you spot on with the science and I agree with 100% with everything that you said. It's a really good article and I recommend people link. We'll also put the- that in the show notes, the link to that. And it does go against the conventional wisdom because you know, every second person's got a vision board and, you know, they're so busy talking telling you yeah. about their ideas or telling someone else. But you know, go do it. It rather speak about it when you're doing it in the process or when you've achieved something. Well let people see it. You know, if you've done it, people will see it you know and that speaks more and you know i always have this thing about goals as well when people set them if they don't achieve them they feel terrible about themselves and uh, that's because of that whole as you say measuring on social media and so on Whereas if you are much more open ended, keep you know have a goal, have a bit of a vision, but keep it yourself and be able to adjust. You know, have a possibilities mindset. You know, the story of Thomas Edison when he did his thousand attempts before he discovered the light bulb, and he was asked by that one of the some reporter, "How do you feel about your failures?" And he turned around and said, "I don't have any failures. I know a thousand things that don't work." You know, and I think that kind of thinking is take it goes when you so focused on shouting out your goals to the world before you even do anything so I, i love what you said in that article so good so so well explained thank you okay
0: you're welcome thank you
1: what are some of the biggest challenges you face in your own personal life and career
0: Sure. and I think that's a great sort of question to, to wrap it, right? Because mm-hmm. we've all, no matter how developed we are, no matter how much we work hard at this, we do have our own issues and downfalls and struggles. And honestly, in the last couple of years, I've had to restart the Jordan Harbinger show and reboot everything. Because, you know, I used to teach like dating and relationship skills. And as I got married and had kids, I realized, <laughs> oh my gosh, I really <laughs> do don't want to be doing this. But Pivoting is very difficult, you know, it's it's really ha- hard to do. And, and there's a part of you that says, I started this business. This is our 13th year. As of this month, I've been podcasting for 13 years. So at the time it was 11 and I was thinking, I can't just start over. It's impossible. It's too late. How am I going to do it? I don't have the energy. And I had to reboot and start over due to a confluence of circumstances, and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me, Mm -hmm. because not only was I able to pivot, but I was able to take my team with me, I was able to get rid of a lot of dead weight from my old company, I don't have to work with people that I don't like anymore, I don't have to talk about things that I'm not interested in anymore, so I have a lot more creative and professional freedom, more profitable, but I didn't know that was gonna happen. You know, there was risk involved, and it's it would've been so easy for me to tell someone else, you know, you can do this, you have to right now, now's the time to get tough, grade it out, you know, take lifestyle hit do all these things and then for me i was like i can't i'm terrified and of course when Mm. i took my own advice which was very difficult (laughs) as it always is yeah totally i was able to get through it and come out the other side smelling like roses finally right Mm. and that and it happened faster than i thought but it was one of the scariest things to ever happen to me and i wouldn't wish it on anyone Mm. but it actually has made me quite strong coming out and so for that reason it was actually a blessing in disguise just as everybody else who wasn't going through that situation told me it would be oh that's
1: so good that is so good i i really love what you're saying and the last question that if we can ask one more question just to wrap this up how do you sure. how do you manage your mental health as an entrepreneur
0: everyone right now is talking about like oh cognitive weapons and neotropics and all yeah, this stuff yeah. and you know microdose lsd and i'm <laughs> like you know what i honestly I get enough sleep. I get eight hours or more of sleep every night. And everyone's like, how do you have so much energy? How do you have so much focus? I'm rested, man. Mm, that's
1: so I'm good. Rested. So good.
0: It's funny because everyone's like, I do goat yoga meditation on the top of a Himalayan peak. And I'm like, I sleep. I'm good.
1: Uh, you know, Jordan, That's what it. you have done, di- I've got to tell you a little scientific fact in part of the clinical trials that I've just done now related to sleep. When you go into that deep, restful sleep, you actually release an enzyme in your brain called telomerase that actually goes, is that you use during the day to build telomeres, which are like little socks on your chromosomes. And if those don't keep rebuilding, it affects those 810,000 cells that you make every minute that you need to use as you're thinking and just living and being alive. And so deep sleep is, and the sleep that you're having, is absolutely vital for being able to function well the next day. So there's the science behind why that's a great mental health tool. Well done. (laughs) Good job.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, I realized with all the talk about sleep, it was probably a good move to do it. And I, it's just you really can't compare how good you feel versus how tired you are during the day. And it's like just a quality of life issue that was so obvious for so many years. I just thought, okay, if I'm not messing with this, if I'm not optimizing this and doing everything I can to make sure that this is actually what I'm doing, like I'm I'm a fool, right? It's, it's like yeah. you can go to the gym and you can do this and you can do that and you can have all your entire life together. If you're not sleeping enough... It doesn't help. Okay. Depression. You're not recovering. You're sore. You're achy. You're aging faster. It's like it- how much... And also think about this. like what are you doing with the last two hours of your day? Mm. You're admit it, you're watching Netflix, just go to bed.
1: Exactly, go to bed, get some sleep. So what the, just on that note, what are you what have you changed in your life to help your sleeping pattern change?
0: Oh, yeah, it's really simple. And I know people go, I have kids. I can't do that. I go to bed early. I go to bed at 930 or 10. Fantastic. And I work from home, which helps Mm. because, of course, my commute is zero. So if I wake up at 730 a.m. or even six, I've already got hours. Yeah, I'm at work and I've got eight hours of sleep. So that's extremely important. And people will say, I can't. I have kids. Okay, well, you can go to bed before your kids or if they're little, they should be in bed by then anyways. So I don't really believe that. And yes, I have a little kid too, and he gets up really early, and so do I, but since I went to bed early, we both got enough sleep. It's really not that hard. Exactly. It's it's just not.
1: Exactly. So when people say I can't, then I always say I can't is a decision. It's a choice. I can't is a choice. So you can choose or not. You've been amazing. This has been amazing. I could talk to you for hours and days. You are so full of wisdom and I just want to thank you for taking the time to share that wisdom with us. How can people find out more about you?
0: Yeah, well you're listening to podcasts right now, mm-hmm. so please come and check me out at the Jordan Harbinger show and it's one of the most popular interview shows around and I hope people enjoy that. I know that you listen to it so I'm thankful for that and I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter and Instagram and people can always engage with me there as well. Oh,
1: that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Everything will be in the show notes as well so you'll be able to get hold of Jordan all Jordan's information and I highly recommend his podcast. It's one of my favorite. I learn something new every single time. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. You really have been amazing.
0: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And have a happy you new year. too.
1: I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com. And to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf.